looks like without law enforcement. Correct. You know, if you're okay with somebody taking and breaking your stuff (laughs) for their point, whatever it may be, then sure, let's make sure we get rid of the cops. Well, you know, that's that's true. And when you look at this, you've, you've got Eric Garcetti. And, and what we're talking about yesterday, we, we talked about this story that uh, on the Black Lives Matter website and a couple, couple of other places as well. This is not anything new, by the way. They've been working on this right. for a long time. And it's one of the things that Soros believes in as well is defunding the police and uh, and moving toward a society where you don't have police. Now, obviously, sane people realize that means chaos. And what you see in the streets of, say, Times Square right now, where it looks like bombs were set off in Times Square. That's the way America would look if, in fact, you went with a, you know, no law and no order. You have to have police in order to bring about law and order. But they have been signing these petitions. John Legend did, and uh, Billie Eilish did, and uh, Lizzo did, and John F- Jane Fonda, and several. Uh, they've all signed these petitions, and they're taking that to their communities, to their audiences. And their audiences are young, and their audiences are raising their fists and going, yeah, defund the police. So Eric Garcetti said yesterday we're doing that we're taking 150 million away from the police now he said we have to wow. step up and say what can we sacrifice he said racial justice is worth sacrificing for so we're going to sacrifice the police and spend that money in black communities all over los angeles well i predict that if he completely does this if he if he gets away you know takes all the money away from the police and gets rid of his police force in la i can't imagine the people of la would <laughs> LA. do that but it, right <laughs> L.A. won't exist in in five years or less. L.A. will be gone. Yeah, L.A. will look like something out of a Mad Max movie in a few years, less than a few years. I mean, Mm -hmm. if if any place required law enforcement, it's L.A. Uh, You know, so whatever. I mean, Trey, I'm so sick of it all. Go ahead. Take all the cops out of L.A. See how that works. (laughs) See how it works. Try it on for size, baby. baby. But you know what? We need to build a wall around Texas so when these people start streaming out of California because there's no law enforcement, they're going to want to come here. It's like, well, no, that's what you all wanted was no law enforcement. Mm. So Mm -hmm. why don't you go enjoy that? And and we'll enjoy our law enforcement here in Texas. <laughs> well, we'll and you know what else needs to happen here in Texas is What's there has that? to be a, a reemergence of conservative principles in a strong way. We were talking earlier about this new Quinnipiac poll that's out this morning where the director of Quinnipiac is saying it's too tight to tell in Texas. It's a one-point difference. Trump has one point over Biden where he beat Hillary by nine points in 2016 that Biden has a real chance of winning Texas. And I've said from the beginning, and I know that you have too, that they have been working, uh, the Democrats have been working to flip Texas, and they've been working city by city, county by county, area oh, yeah. by area, and, 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 and instilling their people. Soros spending money to elect the DA here in Bear County. You got Ron Nirenberg, who his, his leaders are telling him to be wacko to the left. He was an independent. Now he's wacko to the left. Yeah. Adler, you got the police chief in Houston. Uh, all these people are now lefty, 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 and they have methodically flipped the cities and the counties around Texas to where Texas actually turns blue. And if that happens, you never get a majority of your uh, uh, of the votes necessary to elect the president in the Electoral College, and you'll never have another conservative president or leadership in Washington, D.C. ever again if you flip Texas, and they know it. That's when I go live in the desert. That's when I head to the desert. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, serious. This is... Uh, uh, I didn't realize for the longest time how how not easy 
but a doable process it is to actually flip an entire state in a handful of years. Yep. You know, until I saw it with my own eyes uh, in Colorado. Yep. And, and, and you're right, man. It is, right. it is town by town, city by city. Nuremberg's a stooge for this. Uh, Austin, you know, already has been this for a long time. But they're going after cities that weren't uh, uh, normally or before, you know, liberal, quote-unquote liberal towns like Austin. And they want to liberalize it. That's what, that's what Nuremberg and the city council and all of them, the folks behind the scenes here in, in San Antonio are trying to do here. Uh, you know, that's, uh, that's what all the business about the Alamo is and, and reimagining the Alamo and, uh, the Chick-fil-A thing. I mean, you can predict Nuremberg's next move pretty much just by paying attention to any other liberal politician in America. You can predict exactly what he will do in almost any situation because he's done it. Well, let's talk, let's talk about these guys because that's, that's a very interesting point. When you look at what's happening, nationwide and what the democrat party stands for first of all they're the party party of open borders no border whatsoever that's what they believe in they believe in taking right and they believe in taking taxpayer money and you know spreading it around to people who are not in the country legally they have all said that they are going to do that they also are the party of no cops basically that's what we're hearing from them now is no cops you know so they're the party of of utter lawlessness in our streets and here's the deal. If, if, if they take control of Texas and you don't get the electoral college to elect the president, what we have been going through over the past several weeks, including being locked up in your home because of the pandemic and now the rioting in the streets, that will be everyday life in America if the Democrats win power and control. Because for them, it is all about power and control. It's about having power over you and over your choices and your life and control over you. Absolutely, it's it's uh, the polar opposite of what you know you would describe as the the conservative libertarian brand of leadership, which is I'll stay out of your way as much as possible. I'll protect you, but I'll stay out of your way. And that style of leadership and that style that kind of an agenda is deeply arrogant towards the American people. It has a disdain for the American people, for working folks. Uh, uh, has a disdain for people of faith. It has a disdain for people who can't shut up about the Constitution and their pesky free speech and their pesky gun rights. They hold all of that in contempt. Guys like Nuremberg and people who are part of this whole thing. So, you know, you you want to talk about living in a world where your leadership despises you and only seeks to control you and shut you up and separate you from your money, basically. Right. Well, that's what you get. Yeah. (laughs) That's what they want to do. Yeah, that's where they're headed. So you've got to hang on to Texas, and you've got to make sure that it never flips. We come back with Ware and Rhyme. We'll go to Sean's desk, but also the Mad Dog bit and the President bit back. So you got two Mad Dogs biting at each other. <laughs> you got a Mad Dog fight. We'll talk about that coming up and traffic and weather together. Follow every phase of the reopening on News Talk 550, KTSA, and FM 1071. The family has been clear and consistent that they want these four officers held accountable. That is the right thing to do. Yeah, it most absolutely is the right thing to do. Um, I was just looking at some stats here, Sean, about... um, the percent of fired officers reinstated from 06 to 17 due to police union contracts arbitration clause. Now, this was a discussion that was held yesterday on the 613 show, and Andy Segovia sounded off on it. Because there are people here saying that they need to reopen the uh, negotiations with the police union 
and renegotiate the contract on reinstatement of officers and certain guidelines for officers and things of that nature. And Segovia said yesterday, now is not the time uh, to do that. I, I don't know when there would be a better time than when we're in the middle of all this. It would seem to me that this would be the time that you'd say, let's take a look at this and see if we can make some changes to this. But, you know, interesting, on the top of the list of, of fired officers reinstated, San Antonio, 70%, 70% of fired officers between the years of 06 and 17, according to the Washington Post, fired rehired analysis, 70% of officers in San Antonio were reinstated. In Philadelphia, the number 62, they're number two. Honolulu, the number is 58, they're number three. Washington, D.C., 45. Oklahoma City is fifth at 40, and on down the line it goes. In fact, I'm looking, I don't even see Minneapolis on here, but the point is, they uh, many, many times after an officer is um, sent down the road, then because of the police union contract, they are reinstated right. really quickly, and we lead the list of reinstated officers. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that is something we need to look at, especially now. And, and uh, you know, you look at this guy uh, in Minneapolis, uh, I think two of them, between them had about 18 or 19 uh, different investigations into inappropriate or use of force. Something like that, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, you you, you got to have uh, a recourse to get rid of bad cops. You know, you just have to. And all the cops I know would agree with that. <laughs> That's you know, true. Uh, you know, absolutely. You know, because other look, good cops don't want to work with bad cops. Mm-mm. Now, I believe the majority of all cops, all law enforcement, are good people and brave people. Uh, uh, but you know, you you do have bad eggs, as it were, in every industry. And you know, I, I know you talk to a lot of law enforcement. So do I. And they no, they they they're the least fa- they're the, le- the the not very big fans of other bad cops. So. You know, I, I or, or bad cops in their midst. So I, you know, it'd be like like a soldier, uh, you know, in the field with uh, with somebody they didn't trust or whatever, or didn't think was quite uh, uh, there. Same thing with law enforcement. So, you know, reinstatement. That's a that's a, that's a weird number for reinstatements. It's troubling. Huge. You know, yeah. I, I made the point earlier today, and it, it, I, I think it's true. Uh, there's a lot of peaceful protesters that you see on television now complaining about being lumped in with the violent ones you know you've got your rioters your looters right. your bad guys are burning churches down and now attacking officers but you got a whole lot of peaceful protesters and the peaceful protesters in my view from what i've seen far outnumber the the violent looters and riotous ones and all of that and the peaceful protesters are saying Wait a minute, you know, we're the majority and it's, it's the, the few, just a handful of these rioters. We're the majority, the peaceful guys walking down the street with their hands up or holding a sign. Uh, they're the majority. It's it, it, the, the, the few, the rioters are the ones who get the attention on television and everywhere else in the media because they're blowing stuff up and they're burning stuff down and they're attacking officers now, but they're few in number. And I say that's true. And that's why you don't paint with a broad brush. You don't do right. it when you're talking about protesters. And you don't do it when you're talking about cops. Too many times they lump the bad cops in with the good cops, and they paint a with a broad broad brush, and they say all cops are bad, mm-hmm. and that's simply not true. The vast majority are doing their jobs the right way. The vast majority just want to bring law and order to the streets, and the vast majority want to go home every night. That's all. That's all they're yeah, doing. But we live in the era of the broad brush. You know, if, if you're that's right. If you're if you're a conservative, you're a racist. You know, if you're exactly. this, you're that. You know. If you're white, you're privileged. I mean, it's it's this is uh, these are the times in which we live. 
Because you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it, it in any given downtown where these things happen, where you got a lot of storefronts, it really doesn't take a whole lot of people to turn that into a completely upside down and violent situation. Not and it is a shame, you know, whether I agree or disagree with what the peaceful protesters are all about. Okay, the vast majority the majority of them are that. And uh but again, it, you know, it, it, in the, in our the times we live in, yeah, the guy blowing stuff up and the guy screaming the f word and you know, especially if he's saying blank Trump. Well, yeah, he's going to get all the press. <laughs> the people, right. you know, walking down the they're street gonna, with a sign, they're not they're not interesting. So, you know, that's you, right. you got you to go they're with the guy blowing stuff up. Right. There you go. The, the the people who are just there with their, well, laying down in Travis Park last night, you know, oh, yeah. we covered it. Liz covered it because Liz yeah. covers all sides. But they, they're not interesting. It's it's the ones that rushed the cops in front of the Alamo trying to get to the Alamo the other night that the cops had to repel them. Those are the ones that, that get the media. Well, I say the same thing is true with the cops. Oh, yeah. there, there are very few that have their knees on the necks of guys and killing them. So it's not fair to say that all cops are bad. And that's what's happening right now. And that's a that's a really unfair thing to say, and it's not appropriate, just like it's not appropriate to say that all protesters are bad as well. All right, before we talk about Jim Mattis, what's what's on your desk? Mad Dog bit. So what's I, on what's on your desk this morning? What are you looking at? You know, I, I just got this 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 Lafayette Square thing with the uh, with the Episcopal Church is really starting to bug me. All the Bible thumping going on all of a sudden. Andrew Cuomo, you know, spends half his press conference reading from the Bible. And uh, says something to the effect, here in New York, we actually read the Bible. And it's all about Trump holding up the Bible. It's, you know, it's being reported as, as fact now that it was a photo op, which I never took it to be a photo op. It, you, people did take photos, but it doesn't mean it was a photo op. Uh, you know, he walked over there to show solidarity with a church that had been set on fire. Nancy Pelosi out there thumping her, mumbling her way through the book of Ecclesiastes, not even making any damn sense. Okay, here's the dealio, and, and, and you know this is what the the nut of this story. All this outrage and offense, even Mattis got in on this. All this outrage over Trump walking across the street to this church and holding up a Bible. Where's the outrage over the the fact the church was set on fire? None. They set it on. They're they're more outraged by Trump holding up a Bible and crossing a street, and they lied about the tear gas and all that stuff. That didn't happen. He just walked across the street, man. And that's the point of outrage for these folks, not the fact that that rioters had set it on fire. Come well, on, man. That's, that's yeah, upside I, down. The day that happened, we had the sound from the bishop up there, female, and she was criticizing Trump for going over there and holding up the Bible in front of her, her church. And I said that. I said those, exactly what you just said. I said, look, she, she didn't say one word about the church being burned. She didn't say anything about that, criticizing the people who burned her church. She didn't say a thing about it. But she criticized the president for holding up a Bible. That's the most uh, ridiculous answer to this that I ever heard in my life. And as far as them clearing the park, that order came from Bill Barr. It right. happened that morning. It didn't come from the president. It didn't come from the president when he made that decision. Bill Barr had already gone over to Lafayette Park. We have photos of him walking through Lafayette Park. Here's the here's the AG of the U.S. walking through Lafayette Park while the protesters are there. And then he turned to his aide and he said, I told you 
you to clear this park. Why hasn't it been done? And that's when the rioters, they're not uh, peaceful protesters, the rioters started to throw these bottles full of uh, frozen right. water, ice, at the cops, <laughs> pelting the cops with it. And the cops said, right. okay, you got to go. You have right. to go. Right. So... You know, Jim Acosta turned that into, and and Don Lemon turned that into. Trump is acting like a dictator, clearing oh, peaceful God, protesters. So they were not peaceful protesters. Yeah, <laughs> right. right. It's so obnoxious. Well, they're here's liars. How, they are. They here, are liars. Well, the truth just doesn't matter to them. Here, here's how I took right. the holding up the Bible in front of the church thing. This is precisely how I reacted to it at the time. He is saying, you know what, people of faith, I'm with you. I'm not going to let them burn down churches in this country. That's exactly. how I took. I'm, rec- I'm reclaiming ground that they I'm took. Reclaiming this, you know, and and I, yeah. I that's exactly how I took it. But it quickly became he's a dictator. It was just a photo op, you know. These people are Whatever. shameless, man. Well, you know when I, I, you know, I'm a fan of Patton and a fan of history, yeah. and I've studied his life and the lives of other great generals throughout history. Well, that's one of the things that you always did, man. It doesn't matter how far back you want to go. You do you want to go to Alexander the Great? How far back do you want to go? <laughs> and any time, you know, to the to the victor goes the spoils. So any time you took land, you planted your flag, and one of the ways you planted your flag was the head dude showed up and said, here I am. And Patton was world famous for that. And they said the same thing about him. You know, he's just all about the press. He's all about the photo op, you know. He would show up in a Jeep and stand up in a Jeep and say, this ground is ours. And that's what the president said the other day. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, what what did the general, what did the big dog or the mad dog say? Uh, Because he took in after the president. And there's a ring around the Alamo. We'll talk about that, too. Uh, BG products, I want to tell you about the great stuff that they can do to protect your vehicle. These BG products, they are a great investment in your vehicle. When you talk about BG products, you're talking about uh, a product that has been researched for many, many years, been around for many, many decades. You're talking about a product that the guy who changes your oil can install for you. You don't have to do it. In fact, you can't do it. You can't buy it at the store. He has to do it. And uh, it works to uh, prevent wear and tear of your parts and pieces inside your engine. And wear and tear, of course, heat and all that viscosity breakdown of the oil all those things that happen uh that really is trouble for you the longer you drive so get the maximum protection and the maximum protection comes from bg products at bg win a thousand dollars for dad this father's day register now at ktsa.com i've been hearing a little bit of chatter in the internet about voting versus protest politics and, and participation versus uh, civil disobedience and direct action. This is not a either or. This is a both and. To bring about real change, we both have to highlight a problem and make people in power uncomfortable. <laughs> That's just a, you know, a little taste right there. So in case you were missing him, Sean, I wanted to just... Slip that in because I I knew every once in a while you miss him so much that you have no. to be talked down. You have not been lectured lately, so there you go. There's your daily lecturing. He is like he's talking to a nine year old, and half the stuff he says is is it's it's gibberish. It's not, he's really it not is. that deep. I mean, what did he just say there? It, it, you know, and he was going off yesterday about. You know, we need to make our leaders uncomfortable. It's like you were the president. <laughs> you were one yeah. of those guys. And he, he, I yeah. I, I'm sick also of this this institutionalized systemic racism. He was talking about that too. Institutionalized racism. Sure. Like, that system elected you twice. 
Right. Did they just take a right. break from racism for eight years and went right back to it after you got out of office? Yeah, but I'm, t- I'm telling you, it's a big deal. You see it on you see it online, and you, you know you hear people talk about it all the time. And one of the things that's really on, we'll talk more about the online stuff too, because let's just open that keg of worms real quick. What you see online, a lot of a lot of people now saying, "I have white privilege, and I apologize for my white, white, my white privilege. I'm real tired. I'm so sorry. I've been a part of the uh, systemic uh, racism." And you see all that all online. The other thing you see online too. And uh, this is another thing that just makes being online on social media and what have you just a terrible place to be. But uh, we had the story yesterday of the uh, play-by-play guy for the Sacramento Kings. Been there since 1998. And he was baited by one of their former players. And I did some digging into Mr. Cousins and Mr. Napier's relationship. And it was not a good relationship. They didn't like each other. Uh, Mr. Napier would criticize Cousins on the air. Cousins would not show up to practice. He was trouble. He was a troublemaker and a trouble player. All right, And so they didn't have a good on-the-air relationship. Um, so he was baited by Cousins, I believe, and hadn't heard from Cousins in years. And he sends a tweet out to Napier, the voice guy, and says, what do you think about all Black Lives Matter? And he said, oh, man, I haven't heard from you in such a long time. Great to hear from you. And, of course, all lives matter. <laughs> Incoming, you know. And uh, so uh, he was fired by the Kings, a job he held since 1998. Fired. You're gone. You can't say. 30 you're not allowed to say all. You can't, yeah, you can't say all lives matter. Uh, now Drew Brees is in the middle of it. Uh, quarterback for the Saints. Uh, Drew has a local connection because he played uh, quarterback in high school here in the great state of Texas. And he's a quarterback in the Orlando Saints. And I've always been a fan because he's a little guy playing with big men. He's a 5'10", I think, 5'9", 5'10", and he gets the job done. Hall of Famer. Got to be first ballot Hall of Famer. Well, he made a comment in an interview with Yahoo Sports about, I will never support people who desecrate the flag and the national anthem by kneeling. If you, He said, Colin Kaepernick, great. I think that's wonderful that he wants to protest, but, he, but players should not do that during the national anthem. They should do that at another time because you've got all these people that have died, put their lives on the line for the national anthem and for our flag and for our country, and it should not be desecrated at that moment. But if you want to protest, man, if you want to protest cops or whatever, I'll stand right there with you, but just not during the national anthem. Well, guess what? He's being killed online right now. LeBron James and everybody. You're an idiot. You, know, you, you can't speak out. So you, you can't even say something like that without just being totally raked over the coals these days. Well, you know, that's the, what's funny about the cancel culture. Uh, you know, Trump's the fascist. They're trying to make him into a dictator. But who's the real fascist in the room? In that world, you are penalized for, for uttering the wrong words, for saying the wrong opinion. You know, I mean, what, it, it, for saying the wrong opinion. You can't say all lives matter. You can't say that, uh, you know, I respect the flag and I respect what my uh, my my dad and, uh, and his brother did or my grandfather and his brother did in World War II, both serving in, in World War II. You, you can't voice that opinion. I, I posted that. As you know, I post the stories that I want to talk about uh, on my wall on Facebook. Right, right. And I posted that story, and at least one person had already commented, and he hasn't been fired yet. Like, right. For what? <laughs> right. For, for his opinion right. about, the, about the flag and about America? That's well, crazy. you know what? Don't be shocked. E- even though he's one of the, f- the greatest quarterbacks of all time, like I said, 
first ballot into the Hall of Fame. He is a tremendous player. Don't be surprised if the Saints don't do something in, in retribution uh. against him. When you think about okay, first of all, he plays in New Orleans, okay? Right. New Orleans. And so, you know, he's he's facing serious backlash right now, and he hasn't backed down yet. He says, you know, we, we should honor the flag, and we should honor our national anthem. We should honor the lives that were given for that. He's not backed down yet, and I do say yet on that that's why my wall is really innocuous the last thing up there is an interview i did with my dad right before he died that's the last thing i put up there that was days ago well, it was my I, facebook I memory and i shared it yeah, yeah. I, I put it up there but then I, as soon as i get off the air i delete it all right you know because yeah just you not, use it to it, do the show right it's a yeah. tool for me to see where people are exactly. how they're breaking on this story or this issue sure and then once the show's over there's no point for it to be there anymore so I delete it's gone it all. yeah right uh, exactly. and I, i've had people who have known me for uh 20 years take me to task for merely posting a story yeah. and they'll i'll say well you notice i don't comment right i just post the stories yeah but by posting it it it, it only means that you agree with it it's like what are you talking about so if you post something now it's you must agree with it well that's whether you insanity. say anything or not i mean it's crazy it's that's all insanity. crazy it is because you, you you don't ever make any comment about it you there's no, no comment you nope. just put it up so you can yep. use it here on the show. That's insanity to say that you agree with it. That's not right. you're not endorsing something by putting it on your wall. Sorry, that's not how it works. It's no. just not practical. If you put it on your wall and say, "Hey, I agree with this a thousand percent," you of know, course, then that's, that's different. different. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the social media is a toxic, bad part of town. Well, speaking of social media, you just talked about a meme that something about an asteroid that said, "What's what's next? What's what's next? We're going through pandemic now. We're going through riots. What's next? What, what was the I've meme?" Seen, I've seen a few of these memes, and they're all a little different. But it's like, well, let's see, we had a pandemic, then a race war. What's next? An asteroid? You know, people are just kind of waiting for the next. Do you want me thing. to tell you what's next? Because I got what? the story right here. What's next? Oh, no, no, oh, no. Giant toxic toads coming out of the ground in South Florida. The yellowish brown cane toads, also known as bufo, marine or giant toads, are making an appearance in South Florida after the recent heavy rains stirred them up from their burrows and gave them plenty of water to breed in. If summer turns out to be wetter than normal, as forecasts are predicting, tadpoles will have better chances of survival, potentially creating a population bloom of the largest toad found in the world. The amphibians can reach a, a length of nine inches, nine inches they have large <laughs> triangular glands behind their eyes that contain a high load of milky white toxin. The cane toads, <laughs> the cane toads cause environmental damage. They have no predators, and they eat pretty much anything. They eat lizards, snakes, bugs, and even smaller native frogs. And cane toads also compete with native frogs for food and breeding here. <laughs> So, you asked what's next, man. I'm just reading well, this story. I, I was uh, only joking about the frog umbrella all those weeks ago, okay? <laughs> you mean we actually have a plague of frogs coming? They're After native. Locusts. They're native I, to Central America and parts I think of I'm South going to America. Today. I think I need they to go were, to mass. <laughs> They were introduced here in 1930, and uh, including Hawaii, Australia, and other places as well. As a way to check this out, as a way to control pests, farmers mm. believed that the toads would benefit crops by eating beetles that kill the plain the the uh, cane. But Whoa. the problem was. The beetles would get up high on the cane. The frogs couldn't jump that high <laughs> oh <my laughs> to get the beetles. 
So they just eat birds, eggs, and small mammals, uh, which throws the whole circle of life off. So you asked what's next. It's the giant toxic toad coming out of the oh, earth man. in Florida. Going to eat this us all. This is getting a little book of revelation here. You know <laughs> We did have locusts, right? And and now we got frogs. And I've been joking about needing a frog umbrella for weeks. Now we're actually going to have a plague of frogs. It's coming. All right. So so is traffic and accurate. That's coming up. (laughs) That's right. Coming up next with where and we've sent you. We are partnering. We have a number of investigators at the department that are working with DOJ and working with FBI. We know that they've opened up a number of cases specifically targeting some of the leaders uh, of Antifa and other organizations that are involved. So I know they're already going down that path. The department uh, is a strong partner with DOJ. And again, we have assets. We have investigators that are helping the Department of Justice in that. Hey, guess what happened while you and I were talking about Drew Brees and the whole controversy about his kneeling? Guess what happened? No. Begging for forgiveness. Begging for forgiveness over his comments about the NFL kneeling pro- protest, saying it breaks my heart to know all the pain that I have caused. Uh. Uh, people were chanting F. Drew Brees in New Orleans, and some people set his jersey on fire in the streets of New Orleans. Now, you have to understand how big that is because he's quite the figure in New Orleans. He's big, man. He's Well, I mean, he's taken the championships and championship after championship. They love him. They revere him in New Orleans, and now they're screaming F Drew Brees and setting his jersey on fire. So here's his statement. I would like to apologize to my friends, teammates, the city of New Orleans, the black community, NFL, and anyone else I hurt with my comments. And speaking with some of you, it breaks my heart to know the pain that I've caused. In an attempt to talk about respect, unity, and solidarity centered around the American flag and the national anthem i made comments that were insensitive and completely missed the mark on the issues we are facing right now as a country they lacked awareness and any type of compassion or empathy instead those words have become divisive and hurtful and have misled people into believing that somehow i am the enemy this could not be further from the truth and is not an accurate reflection of my heart or my character this is where i stand I stand with the black community in the fight against systemic racial injustice and police brutality and support the creation of a real policy change that will make a difference. I condemn the years of oppression and on and on it goes. So, yeah, he's he's, uh, very sorry for what he did and what he said, and he shouldn't have said it, and blah, blah, blah. There you go. Now you know. Well, he just invalidated everything everything he said before. He's completely invalidated his original opinion. That's correct. This is what I can't stand. All right. He, he he voiced an opinion. He voiced an opinion, and it, 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 things have gone completely, in a sense, subjective. In that, how you interpret what I say is all that matters. It doesn't Correct. matter what my intention is. That's right. It doesn't matter what what you know my thought process is uh, as to why I have such an opinion. All that matters is what you think about it and how you feel about it. And in that world, I could say, I like watching dolphins. And if somebody takes it as racist, even though it's plainly not, well, it becomes racist because it upset that. You said you like watching dolphins. You racist. That's a racist thing to say, you know. Well, let's look at, and, let's and look at his words. <clears throat> yeah, let's look at his words that he's now walking back. Here's what he said in the original interview that he's now apologizing for. 
I will never agree with anybody disrespecting the flag of the United States of America or our country. He now apologizes for saying that. He said, let me just tell you what I see or what I feel when the national anthem is played and when I look at the flag of the United States. I envision my two grandfathers who fought for this country in World War II, one in the Army and one in the Marine Corps, both risking their lives to protect our country and try to make our country and this world a better place. Nothing there about race at all. Nothing. He just said he, he he's proud and, you know, he doesn't want to see disrespect. So every time I stand with my hand over my heart looking at that flag and singing the national anthem, that's what I think about. And in many cases, that brings me to tears thinking about all that has been sacrificed. Not just those in the military, but for that matter, those who throughout the civil rights movement of the 60s and all that has been endured by so many people up until this point. And is everything right with our country now? No, it is not. We still have a long way to go, but I think you do that by standing there and showing respect to the flag with your hand over your heart. It shows unity. And then he wrapped it up. This was his original comments that he's in trouble for. It shows that we are all in this together. We can do all do better and that we are all a part of the solution. And that's what he was raked over the coals for and been forced into an apology for saying. He right apologized there. Those were his for comments. For Jeff, yeah, right there. Yeah. Why? What did he say that was worthy of an apology? I don't I know. I don't, I don't know, see anything I, in there that was. Mm. Now, this, this, you see, look, once you begin to apologize for your honest opinion, once you begin to apologize for the truth, truth no longer exists. It's, it's all over because then well, everything is interpretive. Well, that, now see, that's, this is a good point. We don't have time to flesh it out now, but this is a real good point because it's something we've talked about where fascists for a long time, uh, and, and here recently in America, they have uh, reared their heads in, on college campuses and places like that uh, because they didn't like what somebody said. And so that person has turned and altered whatever they said to fit into what the fascists wanted them to say. You, it, it's commonly called the cancel culture, right? Isn't that right, what it's called? Right. Yeah, right. oh yeah, yeah. So uh, if if you don't agree with the line that they want you to agree with, they just cancel you. You're done. Or they, you know, burn your books. Or in, in history, it's been book burning or arrests, uh, locking people up, uh, arresting them, executing people is where it eventually ends up. That that happened as well when you would say something that is not in agreement with what they believe. And in China, as a matter of fact, in in Red China today, they actually will lock people up in a gulag who do not toe the party line, do not say what they want said. So there you go. You know, you and I, I think, both have spent our entire adult lives, you know, you in the air, me on the air, and even more so with, with my writing. I've spent my entire life trying to get my truth out there and to be as honest uh, and critical of my own existence on planet Earth as possible. So for me, the truth is ultimately extraordinarily important. And once you start trading out the truth, then you're not even really alive anymore because your your truth has to be hidden, has to be apologized for. Uh, you have to lie about what your truth is. Yes, and if you can yes. explain to me how that's better for society than just telling the truth, I, I don't know what it is. But what happens when that affects your livelihood? We'll talk about that some more with Warren.